We are starting a brand new message series today that goes along with that. And I thought about a lot of different titles for it. And I settled on Navigating the New Normal. And the only reason I hesitated was the phrase, the new normal. Uh, If you're like me, you're getting tired of hearing some of these phrases over and over again, like the new normal, or safer at home, or social distancing, or flatten the curve, or the greater good, or apart together, or together apart, or we're all in this together, or we're going to get through this together. It's pretty confusing sometimes. And I thought it would be great for us to spend some weeks together learning about navigating all of the confusion. How do we get through this as followers of Christ? And how are we going to be the witness we need to be through this uh, confusing time that we're going through? Someone, in fact, a couple of people have even asked me, Pastor Andy, do you think we're in the last days? I mean, we've got so many catastrophic events that have happened recently that are going on right now. Do you think we're in the last days? And somebody said, you need to be preaching a series through Revelation. That's what you need to be doing right now. And, and here's what I want you to know. The answer to the question, do you think we're in the last days, is always the same. I preached a series through Revelation five years ago, and I said then what I would say now. Yes. And if you ask me if if the Lord delays his coming for another five years and you ask me again, are we in the last days? You know what the answer will be? Yes. We've been in the last days since Jesus went back to the Father. This is the last age of the earth. And crazy things are going to be going on right up until the very end. And the truth is, as crazy as things are right now, Things have been this crazy before in the history of the world, too. There have been all kinds of crazy things. There have been pandemics before this. There have been earthquakes and and volcano eruptions and all kinds of things happening all through this time of the last age. Jesus was asked about end times and the last days. In Matthew 24, beginning with verse 36, he answered this way. But about... The day, that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So here's the answer. None of us can know for sure if this is the very last days. Only the Father knows that. But the point is, it doesn't change anything about what we ought to be doing, how we ought to be living, and what we should have been doing all along, even if these are the very last days. He went on to say this, as it was in the days of Noah... So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, listen to this, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. You know, I looked around lately and I have even done a wedding recently and other things. People are still eating and drinking. Everything's still going on. Even with the pandemic, even with everything that's happening, things are still going right on as normal, just like they were in the days of Noah. And he says, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Instead of trying to figure out, are these the last, 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 last days, what we need to remember is, here's how you ought to be living in the last age of the earth. Here's what we should have been doing all along, whether there was a pandemic or no pandemic. And so as I was thinking about this instruction from Jesus, this reminder that we don't know when the last day will come, but here's how you ought to be living in the meantime, I went back to the Apostle Paul and his life. He wrote a letter to the Philippians that we're going to be spending several weeks in in this series. And he wrote this letter while he was under arrest, house arrest, by the Roman government. He was chained to a Roman guard for two years. 
Now, can you imagine what that was like for the Apostle Paul? He was so used to being free to travel and go and take the gospel all over that known part of the world. He had established churches in different towns everywhere that he went. He had led people to Christ to follow Jesus. And now he has to be restrained and in one place chained to a guard for two years. That was Paul's new normal. And you can be sure he didn't like anything about it. But the cool thing about this letter that he wrote while he was under this house arrest, this letter to the church at Philippi, is this letter's theme is joy and rejoicing. And it dawned on me as we're going through and navigating this new normal that we keep calling it that we're in right now. If the Apostle Paul could in his new normal still be filled with joy and rejoicing, then we ought to spend some time listening to him, learning from him in this letter that he wrote so that we can navigate our new normal with joy and rejoicing at the same time. So there are certain key elements that he talks about in his life and that he encourages others to do during the time of his new normal. And we're going to break it down week by week and look at some of these things that we should have been doing all along, but maybe God is using this time to refocus us and, and get us back on track with getting back to doing those things that we should have been doing. One of those things we're talking about today is how we need to pray with thanksgiving. Now, in the verses we're going to be looking at today, in Philippians 1, we're going to be looking at the first 11 verses, especially beginning with verse 3 through 11. Paul gives us three qualifiers for our prayers that we need to be doing all the time. And the first one is this. Prayer must be a lifestyle, not a last resort. Let's look at verses 3 and 4. Paul says to the people in Philippi that he's writing to, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. When you look at the life of the Apostle Paul and the teachings of the Apostle Paul, one thing you see for sure about his prayer life, it wasn't just in response to crisis. It wasn't just, oh no, when everything goes wrong, we, we better start praying now. We better start paying attention to prayer more. No, that's not the way it worked. Prayer was already an ongoing, regular part of his life. Here's what I found about my prayer life. I think we all have this tendency. We do tend to pray more when we're under pressure, don't we? We tend to, to all of a sudden, we're paying more attention to God and, and needing God's help when we're under pressure. But the good thing about prayer is, is it doesn't have to wait until we're under pressure Prayer in Scripture is an ongoing communication with the Father, a Father who loves us, who cares about us when we're under pressure and when things are going great. He still wants to talk to us whether we're under dire circumstances or everything is, is exactly the way we want it to be. He wants to share every part of our lives. In Philippians 4, later on in the same letter, we'll spend some more time on it later, but in verse 6 and 7, he says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Did you catch that? The good ones, the bad ones, everything in between. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with, here's that word, thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This same Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, pray when? Continually. 
Pray without ceasing, some translations say. Prayer should be the normal conversation ongoing that we're having with the Father. You could pray all the time. You could pray anywhere, at any time, no matter what's going on around you. And that's exactly what God wants for us. He wants to have the kind of relationship with us where the conversation never stops. I know we say amen at the end of a lot of prayers, and amen is just a word that means so be it, or, or let it be so according to the power and, and the will of God. But amen doesn't mean the conversation has to stop. You can amen here and keep praying, keep talking to God after the amen. So he wants it to be ongoing. In Psalm 46 and verse 1, we are reminded of this by the psalmist. He says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. So yes, in the middle of a pandemic, what should be the habit of our lives? Prayer. It should have been all along. But hopefully, as we're going through and navigating this new normal, we'll begin to realize how important it is. It should have been important to us the whole time to be in constant communication with the Father. The second qualifier is this. We need to pray with gratitude and not grumbling. Pray with gratitude and not grumbling. Look at verse 3 again. He said, I thank my God every time I remember you. And that sounds like, okay, great statement. They should have been doing that. That, that makes sense. Thank God for them. Uh, but here's what you have to remember. We, we have recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 16, some of the events that took place in Paul's life when he went to Philippi. And some of them were great, but some of them were terrible. When he first got to Philippi, he went to this place of prayer down by the river, and he found Lydia and some other ladies there. Uh, and they were praying and, and spending time with God there. And Paul shared with them about Jesus. And Lydia and her whole family uh, were baptized into Christ right, right then as they were taught by Paul. And, and they started living for Christ and inviting Paul to their home and, and, and supporting him in his work and his ministry. It was a great beginning to his visit to Philippi. But right after that, things changed. There was this slave girl who was possessed by a spirit who predicted the future. She was like a fortune teller and her owners were using her to make money off of her. Well, she began to follow Paul and, and the others around saying, listen to these men, they're gonna tell you the way to be saved. And Paul saw this as a problem because the, the advertising wasn't really what Paul wanted not coming from her. You see, she was possessed by this evil spirit. It would kind of be like somebody getting arrested in Nashville for, say, uh, sex trafficking uh, minors, but they were wearing a Lakeshore t-shirt when they got arrested and say, yeah, I belong to that church and, and I'm part of it and, and that's where I came to know Jesus. Well, that wouldn't be great publicity for our church, would it? Well, Paul saw the problem with this woman being the one trying to say, oh, listen to these people, they're great. So he cast the spirit out of her. And now she couldn't do what she was doing, and the owners lost their income. And in response, in anger, they stirred up the crowd against Paul and had them arrested and falsely accused of teaching things that were contrary to what Roman citizens were supposed to believe. And we learn in Acts 16 that when they were arrested, Paul and Silas, who was with them, were severely flogged, and thrown into prison. And, and the words translated severely flogged means they were beaten to within inches of their lives. That was part of the welcome he got in Philippi. And they were thrown into the inner cell of the prison and their feet were put in stocks where they were kept there. 
Now again, the amazing thing is God uses this and he causes an earthquake and they're released. And Paul and Silas, who had been in there praying and singing hymns as a witness to their jailer, the jailer then came and asked for their help. And Paul and Silas led him and his family to Christ. And they were baptized that very night into Christ. Here's what I know about me and my human nature, my fleshly nature. If I were to say, oh, I remember Philippi, if I had been in Paul's shoes, I would have said, man, it was awful. There was this demon-possessed girl that was causing us problems, and then we got arrested, and we got beaten, and we got thrown into prison. I might tend to focus on that part of my time in Philippi. But what does Paul focus on? I thank my God every time I remember you. You see, when he prays for them, he does it with gratitude, with thanksgiving. Because even in the middle of those hard things that were happening to him and Silas and those that were with them, he saw how God was using it for some really good things. So I want to share just a moment, three byproducts of praying with gratitude and not grumbling. The first byproduct is you end up having a joyful spirit. It just changes your personality. It changes your outlook on life. Look at verses 4 and 5. He goes on to talk about his prayers. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul is, remember right now, under arrest. He is chained to a Roman guard. He's not free to travel or do anything. But he says, I pray when I think about you, I'm praying for you and I'm doing it with great joy, with gratitude for your partnership with me in the gospel. You see, when we're, we're praying with a spirit of gratitude, it changes our sour disposition. It changes the focus of our hearts and our minds. It lifts our own spirit when we're praying that way for others. So it, it causes us to have more of a joyful spirit. And I can assure you of this. When you're going through something like this pandemic or, or, or racial injustice that you're fighting against or whatever the struggles are that you're in right now, here's what I know. If you could focus on the joy that comes in Christ, the joy of your salvation in him, that even in the middle of the hardest struggles you go through, God can provide the ability for you to do it with still having joy in your heart. I don't enjoy a lot of things about this pandemic, but I've also been able to see God using this time for some really good things. And I don't enjoy ever seeing racism or injustice. I, I don't like anything about that, but I also see God working through the struggle of this time to bring about some much needed and good change in the world. Now, not everything about it's good and you could focus on all the bad stuff or if you pray with gratitude, you could have God focus your attention on the good and the great things that he's doing. So there's a joyful spirit that's a byproduct. Another byproduct is optimism about people. Look at verse 6. He said, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You know what Paul is saying? He's speaking into the life of the Philippians that joyful anticipation of what God is still doing, that God's still working on them and transforming them and changing them in good ways, even in the middle of hard things that Paul's going through. You see, when you're 
praying with gratitude and not grumbling and complaining, then when you look at other people, even those that aren't necessarily right now where they ought to be, doing what they ought to do, you can see them through the eyes of God. And what you can see is the potential there for what God could do in them, the change that God could make, the transformation for good that could occur as God works through the hard things that they're going through and that maybe you're going through. If you could be the witness during that time that God wants you to be, God can use you to help bring about the change in them that God wants to see in their lives. So it produces an optimism about people. Instead of being so focused on criticizing and tearing people down, all of a sudden you start looking at people differently. You start seeing what God could do with that person if they were to bring themselves under his teaching, his saving grace in their lives. And here's another byproduct. It develops deeper relationships with others when you pray with gratitude and not grumbling. Look at verse 7 and 8 as Paul talks about his relationship with the people in Philippi. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you, all of you, since I have you in my heart. Whether I am in chains, which he is right now, or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Can you hear the depth of Paul's love for those people that he's writing this letter to? There, there are deep, heartfelt feelings of love and care and appreciation for those people. Because Paul is not focusing on his chains. He's focusing on God working in powerful ways to advance the cause of Christ even while he's in chains. And he knows that the people in Philippi are part of that with him. There's something about being brothers and sisters in Christ that no matter what's going on and what the struggle is, there is comfort and there's strength. There is, there is great reason for optimism and hope when we know that we have brothers and sisters in Christ, that we're doing this together. We're navigating this new normal together, side by side, arm in arm, uh, though six feet apart right now. We're doing this together as brothers and sisters in Christ. There is a bond there because of our common allegiance to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Well, those are three great byproducts of praying with gratitude and not being a person who's grumbling and complaining. But here's the thing. If you choose to be the grumbler and the complainer, here's what happens to your relationships with everybody else. You hurt those relationships. I don't mean you never have reason to complain or reason to criticize. All of us could find reasons to do that. But if that becomes the pattern of our lives and the attitude we go through life with, you will begin to push people away. Let's be honest here. Nobody likes to be around that all the time because it brings you down. It hurts you to have that influence around you all the time. So if you choose that as your lifestyle, you're going to choose not to have deep, heartfelt, close relationships with very many people because they're just not going to want to have that influence in their lives. And I don't mean you fake it all the time and act like everything's good when it's not. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the ability to, in the middle of those hard things, instead of grumbling and complaining, we begin to look to God and his strength and his care, knowing we can trust him to be there for us. 
and knowing that he will keep his promise that he will work all things, everything together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. You can have that promise as a Christ follower. And that's why you can pray with gratitude and not grumbling and complaining. Well, the third thing is this. We need to learn, and Paul tells us, to pray for God's glory and not self-gratification. So many of our prayers are just about me, me, me. Do this for me. Help me with this. I want this. Give me, give me, give me. That's the focus of a lot of our prayer lives. But I want you to hear what Paul's praying about here. Beginning with verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love, he's not talking about himself, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And why? Why is that important? To the glory and praise of God. He's praying for them that they could, during this time, grow and, and, and become closer to Christ and have a greater knowledge of Christ and his will for their lives, and they could be used in greater ways for Christ, and they could be more filled with the image of Christ as they represent him in the world so that God could be glorified. What Paul is praying for is that even during this time of his new normal, that God would use this time and God would use him and God would use his brothers and sisters in Christ in Philippi that they would allow themselves to be used by God so that God could be glorified through this time. Friends, we need to learn to pray for that during this time of our new normal. How could God use me? How could God use you? If we get our prayer life right, if we start praying the way we need to pray, how could that change things so that God uses us during this time so that he ends up being glorified through us during this new normal? In Psalm 55, verse 22, it says this, Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Here's what I know about God. You can trust yourself to him, to his care, if you seek to bring him glory. And what you're going through. God will honor and take care of his people who are seeking to bring glory to him. I want to close with this example from Jesus, the greatest example of all. In Matthew 26 and verse 39, Jesus knows he's about to be arrested. He's about to go to the cross. And he goes out to the garden with his disciples and he tells them to stay and pray. And it says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus understood that in order for God to be glorified, it meant he was going to have to go through the cross. It meant that he was going to have to face death, suffering, pain, but that God was going to use that. He could trust the plan of the Father to take that awful thing, that awful time, and use it in great and glorious ways. Jesus knew that it was going to be necessary to go through that for God to be glorified. Friends, God wants to use you. And I don't know where you're at right now, every one of you. I don't know what your struggle is. I know the pandemic is hitting all of us. I know there are other struggles happening in people's lives. And you got two choices. Do you turn to God in prayer and seek his glory in this? Or do you focus on yourself with grumbling and complaining 
You can't bring glory to God unless you give this time in your life to him. And maybe you're ready to take that step today. We would love to help you with that process. If you've not yet professed your faith in Jesus, been baptized into Christ, we have others that have been doing that during this time. We can guide you and, and help you with that process if you're ready to take that step. Maybe you don't have a church home you're connected with. We invite you to connect with our church family. Just contact us and let us know. Because God has a plan to bring good out of this circumstance. And he has a plan to bless you with his power, his presence, and his provision. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and your care. We thank you that even in the face of our new normal, all the hard things that we're having to deal with, that we can remember that Jesus went through the hardest things of all for us as he went to the cross. And you used that for your greatest glory ever. And it's in him that we can find that hope that we need to bring you glory in our lives. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.